Hey everyone, welcome to the GladTrad Podcast. This is Rudy Carlos. Happy Sunday. Today is the seventh, uh, seventh Sunday after Pentecost. And uh, Ashley and I, my wife, uh, went to Mass this morning. Uh, we went to the SSPX. And um, the readings today kind of inspired me to finally film this episode, which was a long time in the making. I've been thinking about it and... Um, I feel a sort of inspiration to make this episode, not only because I've experienced myself uh, backlash on this particular uh, topic, but also because I believe charity demands us to talk about this subject, which is judge not. In the scriptures today, we read in the gospel, uh, this is from... Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 21. Our blessed Lord tells us that by their fruits we can know them. We know people by their fruits, whether they be good fruits or bad fruits. And oftentimes we find ourselves in the situation, um, sometimes in our family, in our friendships, that we have an opportunity for to fraternally correct our brethren. And at that correction that we give, which should be always from charity, which I'll talk about in a minute, we um, we sometimes hear those those words, those misinterpreted words from from our our brethren, where they will say something like, "You shouldn't judge," you know. But we see in the in the scriptures today a very stark contrast to this sort of um, disordered way of looking at the scripture of, of judge not, right? When we can notice somebody's fruits and know them by their fruits, that is in fact a judgment. We can we can see how this person, for example, has either fallen short or has achieved the subjective vision that Christ has given us, right? That objective vision is, um, are we following the commandments? Are we living a Christian life? Do we go to Mass every Sunday? You know, these are, these are examples of that objective uh, vision of a, of a man that we can judge a person against. If a person falls short of that, you can see very clearly that, you know, maybe their fruits aren't very good. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's really important for us to be able to do this and to understand that this isn't a judgment, so to speak, like um, a judgment to say, oh, this person is trash. <laughs> That's not exactly what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is build each other in, in charity uh, towards the common good, which is the love of our neighbor for God. So um, we find ourselves in that situation a lot. I, I know that I found myself in that situation pretty often, uh, coming from a family that is no longer practicing or are practicing, but have taken up modernist tendencies where they pick and choose to believe whatever they want. You know, the sort of Catholic, uh, uh, cafeteria Catholic mentality. 
And so um, oftentimes, like I said, this scripture is, is misinterpreted and it's a way of rationalizing moral relativism. Or the, the idea that people do what they think is right. And um, Pope Benedict XVI was very uh, popular in saying that moral relativism is a, a problem of our time. And he, he's right, uh, despite his shortcomings. So we've lost uh, a lot of ground because of this error of moral relativism. And I think that's the, that's the root of all of this, right? I mean, we in our fallen humanity think that we can decide what is right and what is wrong for ourselves. That actually is the sin of Adam and Eve in receiving or taking from the, the tree of knowledge. They were um, deciding for themselves what is good and what is evil. That was the grave sin. That was the, uh, the grave sin that, that caused the fall of humanity because it's for God to know. It's for God to decide what is good and what is bad. But they decided to take from that tree, and uh, it was the, the ultimate downfall of, of our, our humanity. We see that today. It's become so overwhelming. People have this desire to, to kind of do what they think is right. And oftentimes it's at the detriment of their soul. But we have to remember that error has no rights. That is, um, that is something that Pope Pius X spoke about a lot. And actually, I'll read to you a little bit of what St. Pope Pius X said in his apostolic mandate in 1910. He says, The same applies to the notion of fraternity, which they found on the love of common interest or beyond all philosophies and religions. On the mere notion of humanity, thus embracing with an equal love and tolerance all human beings and their miseries, whether these are intellectual, moral, or physical and temporal. The Catholic doctrine tells us that the primary duty of charity does not lie in the toleration of false ideas, however sincere, however sincere they may be nor in the theological or practical indifference towards the errors and vices in which we see our brethren plunged, but in the zeal for their intellectual and moral improvement, as well as for their material well-being. Catholic doctrine further tells us that love for our neighbor flows from a love of God, who is father to all, and goal of the whole human family, and in Jesus Christ whose members we are to the point that in doing good to others, we are doing good to Jesus Christ himself. Any other kind of love is sheer illusion, sterile and fleeting. So here we have it. The stalwart St. Pope Pius X tells us, Catholic doctrine tells us that the primary duty of charity does not lie in the toleration of false ideas, however sincere they may be nor in the theological or practical indifference towards the errors and vices which we see our brethren plunged, but in the zeal for their intellectual and moral improvement, as well as for their material well-being. Another, uh, really um, another really good source here would be uh, 
Cornelius Salapide, who was a Jesuit. Um, I forget what era he's in. He's pretty early, so he's a, a pretty a good source as far as Jesuits go. I know I don't mean to dis disparage the, the Jesuit order, but uh, you know, lately there <laughs> there have been errors. Um, and so he says that concerning those things, and he's talking about judgment itself. Concerning those things, then, which are known to God, unknown to us, we judge our neighbors at our peril. Of this the Lord hath said, Judge not. But concerning things which are often and public, which are open and public evils, we may and ought to judge and rebuke, but still with charity and love, hating not the man, but the sin. Detesting not the sick man, but the disease. For unless the open adulterer, thief, habitual drunkard, traitor, were judged and punished, that would be fulfilled which the blessed martyr Cyprian hath said. He who soothes a sinner with flattering words administers fuel to his sin. St. Anthony gives us the cause of perverseness in rash judgment. When he says, we are often deceived as to the motives of actions, the judgment of God, who sees all things, is another thing from ours. But it is right that we should suffer one, another, one with another and bear one another's burdens. Um, Cornelius Alapide was speaking about the commentary of Matthew 7, which was judged not. And... I think this one is, is really important. This quote is really important because oftentimes we don't know the intention of the people who are, who are committing these sins or have these erroneous points of view. But if we don't have this conversation with these people, if we don't try to discern where they're coming from, we do them a disservice. We often give fuel to their sin. And I'll give you an example of where I'm coming from. Here's an example of um, where somebody might say, hey, you're being kind of judgmental. Let's say, for example, in our family, uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of my family does not practice. But uh, let's say, for example, I'm noticing that um, a family member is not going to Mass, or a family member has not been a confession in many, many, many years. And they have uh, some sort of idea about why it's important, but they decide not to. Or let's say, for example, let's give a, an even more concrete example. Let's say, for example, one person says, this is a, actually a conversation I had with my father one day, uh, God rest his soul. I had gotten out of confession and uh, I gave a call to my dad, and he, you know, we were catching up after uh, a while of, of not being in touch. And he said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, I just got out of confession. And he, he, I remember really clearly, he got really, really upset. And I said, hey, why are you getting upset? You know, what's the problem here? And he was telling me that uh, he believed that there was no no reason for us to go to confession 
that we can confess our sins directly to God. Well, that very clearly is, is not a part of our doctrine. Christ established the sacraments very wonderfully for us to get to know him, to love him, and to serve him. And we, having inherited this fallen humanity, sin often. We sin so, so often in our day-to-day -day life that it's impossible to say that we are free of sin. We know that we have, uh, you know, bouts of uh, opportunities uh, with, with mortal sin. Sometimes we dance with it, just depending on how we're living our life. And we know that these mortal sins cannot be removed from our soul until we go to confession. It's important to, to understand that and to know that. And we can't be sort of cafeteria Catholics and say, well, I believe this specific truth of the faith, but I don't believe that I have to go and do this. You know, it's a sort of, it's a sort of um, a disconnection, you know. And in that opportunity uh, of this conversation, I was able to tell him, you know, I don't think you're correct. The church teaches us something completely different. Um, another example, you know, if a family member is not going to Mass, you know, it's our duty in Christian charity to bring that person to Mass. What is, what is more important in our day-to-day -day life than the worship and honor of God? There's nothing more important than that. And it's really sad you know, to know that there are people who can't even spend an hour with God, maybe even less than an hour. Most Masses aren't even that long. Uh, once a week. Look at how much time we, we give ourselves for entertainment. Look at how much time we, we give ourselves to things that are lesser. And so, again, it's our duty in charity, you know, to love our, our, our neighbor as ourself for love of God. Is it love, therefore, to allow somebody to be an heir? To know, for example, that... Uh, I'll give you another example. I have a, a lot of friends who... Uh, my secular friends, really, who blaspheme. And even some who are, who are religious. Um, but they blaspheme. And that, to me, is, it's, is a very terrible sin. Very, very terrible sin. Uh, the Lord's name is, is special. The Lord's name, as we know in the Our Father prayer, is to be hallowed, to be adored, to be above all names. And so when we hear these things, this is a very common one. We hear it out in public. We hear it within our friend groups. We hear it uh, in our families is a charity to allow our brethren to blaspheme against God, to break the commandments. No, it's not. There is no love in allowing this sort of thing to happen. Now, the conversation could then shift. We know that we have a duty and an obligation to do these things. 
but how do we do them? Well, that's important too. Do we pick a fight with people? No, I don't think that's what we're called to do. I think we are meant in those situations to prayerfully consider with tact how, how to reach these people. When it came to my father, as much as I disagreed with him at that moment, and really it made me angry, I had to respect him as my father. And to respect and honor my, my, my parents meant that I had to correct him. It felt terrible, you know, when you have to do these things. It feels horrible. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but for me, when I have these opportunities to say something out of charity, I feel as if there's a pit in my stomach, like my, my stomach is in knots, you know. And I think that might be a common, you know, a common uh, reaction for people. It doesn't feel good to have to do that. But charity demands us to do that. That was honoring my father by telling him and correcting him that he was wrong. Telling him he was wrong and correcting him. With my secular friends, that was an opportunity to have a conversation with them about something that was maybe something they never considered, you know. God gives us these wonderful opportunities to talk to these people, to share our faith. And, and we can't allow ourselves the luxury of being silent when it comes to the misinterpretation of our faith. Our, our very baptism, sorry, our very um, confirmation sends us out into the world to defend Holy Mother of the Church, to share the good news with people. And when we encounter these situations, it's an opportunity to work out that duty that we have to Holy Mother of the Church and to God. I think it would be good to clarify what charity is, because we've talked about that a lot in this episode of judgment. Charity is the virtue infused by God, enabling man to love God for his own sake as a supreme good, and himself and his neighbor for God's sake. So what then should we render to those who in their sin distance themselves from their ultimate end? What should we give them? Again, is it good to be silent? Is it good to, to, to be silent and to pour fuel into their sins? Man was made known to, made to know and to love and to serve God. Anything less is the detriment of the man. And I remember um, while I was in Colorado, Father Kluga had a, a really great sermon reflecting on the difference between anger and hatred. Uh, this was the day after Jordan's wedding. And um, he reminded us that the that there's a, a real possibility of seeing our enemies in in the beatific vision. I mean, that's certainly a possibility, you know. 
do we want to see those people there? Do we want to see our enemies there? Do we really have charity? Because that's the question we have to ask ourselves. These people who oftentimes are an enemy of ourselves or of the church, do we love them enough to tell them that they're wrong? Do we love them enough to bring them into the fold, to encourage them to come back into the church? I mean, we have to ask ourselves that question seriously. Do we as Christians really want that for our enemies to be saved? I think deep down we do. And we have to ask that question because charity demands that we love our neighbor as ourselves. As I mentioned, often the path to someone getting to know God is one conversation away. You could be that person. So to wrap up, we must judge things. We must judge people, their actions, um, by what we know. If someone is in public mortal sin, well, we, we know that. You know, We can't judge the things that we don't know. Um, and this, it's funny, it reminds me of, um, of this whole debate that we're having with the, the USCCB coming up with a document against politicians who publicly uh, support abortion and whether or, not, whether or not they should receive Holy Communion. It seems like an open and, and shut case, you know, it's so obvious. If you support abortion, how can you go and receive our blessed Lord in the Eucharist? How can we? I mean, we're openly defying everything that it is to be Christian. We're, we're letting the innocent go and, and be slaughtered in the womb. This is a modern day Holocaust, you know. Um, but yeah, it reminds me of that. They're in public. They're showing their sin in public. We know that. And we must judge them for that. We must judge their actions. Their actions are abhorrent. We have to let them know that. It's so open and shut the USCCB doesn't even need to have a conversation about it. It used to be, it used to be that the bishops, you know, they... They sort of knew, they knew the church. This is a sad reality. We have to pray for our bishops. We have to pray for our leaders. Our leaders need our prayers more than anything these days. Not our money. They need, they need our prayers. Prayers of conversion. Because a lot of them have fallen silent on these, on these topics which are plaguing our culture. So um, when it comes to the things that are public... We must judge those actions. We have a right to. Charity demands us to do that. When it comes to our family, if we're not going to Mass every Sunday, we have to speak about that. We have to care about these people. Their ultimate end is, is God. And by not going to Mass every Sunday, that's, that's falling short of their ultimate end. And when it comes to blaspheming, which I... I personally am, I mean, this is, this is a thing I think about every day. We have, to, we have to be able to say, you should not take the Lord's name in vain. We shouldn't use the name of our blessed Lord Jesus as a sort of uh, ejaculation, you know, when something surprising happens. That's not right. It's dragging the Lord's name in the mud when we do that. 
a name that should be hallowed and adored. And so um, I think we should take the spiritual advice of St. Paul and lift our brethren up in Christian living. He says in the uh, uh, letter to the Thessalonians, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you that you esteem them more abundantly in charity for their work's sake. Have peace with them. And we beseech you, brethren, rebuke the unquiet, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good towards one another and towards all men. Always rejoice, pray without ceasing, in all things give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you all. Extinguish not the spirit, despise not the prophecies, but prove all things. Prove all things. See, that's judgment. Hold fast that which is good. From all appearance of evil, refrain yourselves. Hold fast to everything that is good. And from all appearance of evil, refrain yourselves. That is true charity. To love one another for God. To seek the good of another. Another thing that I would like to leave uh, you with um, last month of June was the month of the Sacred Heart, a month dedicated to the Sacred Heart. Um, Ashley and I, during the month, uh, I believe it was, on, yeah, it was on our anniversary. Our anniversary was on the 20th. We consecrated our home, uh, enthroned it to the most sacred heart of Jesus. That is a wonderful thing that you can do during the month of June. I apologize. I should have put this video out earlier, maybe encourage you to do that, but it doesn't have to be in June. You can still enthrone your home. If you've never done that before, there's a really good source. I'll link it in the comments um, uh, in the description below, and you can see what that looks like. But essentially, you're, you're making your home a kingdom for the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The home enthroned to him. But also in the month of uh, June, I was encouraged by uh, Father Burfitt, who uh, was on the podcast uh, not too long ago. He was here discussing the spiritual exercises of uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. He encouraged everyone to, uh, to pray this act of reparation every day in the month of June. And the act of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus was um, promulgated by Pope Pius XI. I believe in his encyclical... I have it here in my notes. It's called Miserentissimus Redemptor on May 8th of 1928. And if you haven't heard of this devotion or cultivated it uh, in your prayer life, uh, this devotion to the Sacred Heart, it's a great opportunity for you to add this prayer into your daily routine. Because oftentimes, you know, even online, you see people blaspheming the name of the Lord. You see a lot of, uh, of really awful things 
um, happening to our Blessed Lord in the sacrament of the Eucharist, in liturgical abuse, in all kinds of different ways. So it's really important to add this prayer to your routine. The Sacred Heart of Jesus must be consoled for the many offenses and sacrileges that happen every single day. And uh, during the month of June, Ashley and I prayed this every single day. But it's something that I add to our, our penitential rosaries on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, alternatively, you can also add the divine praises, but this one's really important. And so we'll, we'll pray this one and we'll close out this episode. And we'll offer up this, this prayer of reparation to the most sacred heart. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before thee, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which thy loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask thy pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow thee, their shepherd and leader, or renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of thy law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against thee. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violations of Sundays and holy days, and the shocking blasphemies uttered against thee and thy saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which thy vicar on earth and thy priests are subjected, for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church which thou hast founded. Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of thy divine honor, the satisfaction thou didst once make to thy father on the cross, and which thou continuest to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of thy virgin mother, and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth, and we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of thy grace, for all neglect of thy great love, and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth we will live a life of unwavering faith, of purity of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending thee, and to bring as many as possible to follow thee. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model in reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death, in our duty and the allegiance we owe to thee, so that we may all one day come to that happy home, wherewith the Father and the Holy Ghost, thou livest and reignest, God forever and ever. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, make our hearts like unto thine. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. God love you and Mary keep you. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you uh, liked what I had to say, go ahead and leave a comment or share it with 
you know, your friends or your family. That really helps us. But most of all, please continue to keep uh, Jordan and I in, her pray in your prayers, as well as um, uh, Nancy P., who passed away yesterday. Please pray for the repose of her soul. And um, remember that uh, in this life, there will be laughter and war. Rhesus at Bellum. All right. Stay glad, stay trad, and I'll catch you next time.